to the podcast. Let me lower this. And now I'm a little too dark. Hold on. Okay. That's sorry for those who are watching. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. I am me. He is he. And you are you. Uh, We're going to, I'm going to touch on a small topic and I just wanted to share my opinion on it. And I know you have part two of what you wanted to talk about. Yes. With that being said, uh, I want to get right into it, which is I saw an article today or yesterday. It was released yesterday, but I saw the article today and it had to do with YouTube's recommendations sending violent and graphic gun videos to nine-year-olds, the study finds. So what the article was about is researchers at a nonprofit were studying YouTube's algorithm of suggesting videos. And they posed as two nine-year-old boys and attempted to watch and like video game content that nine-year-old boys would like. Um, Full stop right there. That's its own issue. Usually when you have researchers who who are grown adults trying to pose as children, they're going to have a bit of confirmation bias and they're probably not going to click on the same content as actual nine-year-old kids. But nonetheless, one of them would click on videos that YouTube suggested. So they would watch a video game, right? Uh, A let's play of some video game. And then would any of the suggested, they'd click one of the suggesteds, watch that, and then keep only going from what YouTube suggested. While the other one, would watch whatever they wanted. They would completely ignore the suggested. Uh, The account that clicked on the suggested very quickly ended up getting flooded with graphic videos about school shootings, tactical gun training videos, and how-to instructions on making firearms fully automatic, um, There and a variety of other things. A schoolgirl holding a gun, a Another one showed a shooter hitting a dummy that looked realistic. And a lot of these videos go against YouTube's own policies against violent or gory content. Um, So the, the scope of this is, though the researchers are arguably not an accurate scope of what a quote unquote nine year old boy would do, YouTube's suggestion videos have consistently been under fire in the recent years because of the focus on school shootings uh, and sort of the the alt-right and right-wing concepts and all, all these different conversations that have been going on politically. YouTube's suggestions have been suggesting and bringing specifically boys but people in general down these pipelines down these these problematic making them aware of these problematic areas and it's it's a it's a difficult conversation to have right how because the the simple answer is remove the content right that the simple answer is find all the content that has to do with these things that are guns and and uh and that are are promoting guns and are promoting these different things and are uh 
arguably harmful for kids. At the same time, we need there, there's other issues. Freedom of speech, freedom of content. It is a company. They have the right to remove what they want. If it's educational, arguably it should stay there if its actual purpose is intended to educate people. Simultaneously, there is a entirely other argument, which is parents who just use YouTube to raise their kids. And so is it truly and genuinely YouTube's fault that they're suggesting content to a nine-year-old when the nine-year-old shouldn't even be on YouTube without parental advising? So the the what i'm getting at is the the responsibility of who views what is uh, is equally balanced between youtube actively recommending these types of videos to boys and children because though the content is not designed for those youth the algorithm will pick up right it'll pick up on what they're watching and suggest this type of content Simultaneously, the parents should be watching what their kids are are consuming, and thus, uh, pay attention. Yeah, but so, they're using uh, it as a babysitting mechanism. But right, but that's my point, right? So yeah, it's a babysitting mechanism, but there's still like that's your child. You, if your child ends up watching content on the iPad that you bought them under your house, and you're the you're like it's your child. I agree. You have a responsibility because I guarantee you, if they went to school and saw a movie from their English teacher about how to uh, handle a firearm and they went home and told the parents, you can bet most of those parents would be marching into school, yelling at the principal, going, why did you show my kid this? They'd be parenting. But all yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially down here in Florida where they're chastising a teacher for showing a uh, Disney film that I know I know, know. I, I read about that she resigned because she was uh she because of all the political stuff so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep that super quick for those who don't know a Florida teacher was uh resigned as of like yesterday uh because earlier about this past week um she showed a movie called Strange World. It's a new Disney movie that was not shown in a variety of countries and has been problematic since release because the main character is gay. He is a boy who outwardly is pursuing another boy. It is not like undertones. It's not all these other things. Outwardly 100% gay. And the but completely unrelated. The movie is a, a fun children's movie. It's a science. It's about going to another world, strange world. And it related to whatever this teacher was teaching. Uh, she She's a life science teacher or was talking about life sciences. And there was something in the movie that pertained to what she was teaching and wanted to discuss it the way any teacher would. But uh, given and that it's Florida... People and the teachers signed off on it, as the and the parents signed off on, on it as being okay. Yes, the parents signed off that they can watch any PG movie, but the person who reported them, uh, the teacher claims is motivated because of this this movie because the report came soon after the movie and 
it's it's a little shady as to what she got reported on or or investigated for but nonetheless it it is very likely that it was this movie and the school the board of education claims that uh though it was cleared to watch any pg movie she didn't get that specific pg movie cleared by the board of education which is why they have to investigate her uh yeah, so absolute you, absolute yeah. horse crap yeah so you absolute got horse crap. you got the real danger stuff like with guns and what you alluded to and now you got teachers getting in trouble because they're showing disney movies so i mean they got to be uh a happy medium as to the uh responsibility of parents like you say well, and that's why I said there there is a happy mix that needs to occur because though it is not YouTube's responsibility to parent these kids, it is their responsibility to recognize that there are children on the platform and whether whether they are supposed to be legally there or not on an account, they are on there. And so they tried to make YouTube kids and that went to crap. And most people don't use that. And even on YouTube kids, there's apparently much worse stuff. Uh, but nonetheless, the company sh would be actively lying if they said they didn't know that kids are all across their their um, platform. So yeah, Peter. Th there should be an effort towards recognizing the content that they watch and trying not to promote that type of content. And again, I like it's easy to say that. It's another thing to implement that within the platform's coding and softwares and systems. So it, it is a happy middle. The parents should be paying attention to their kid and not using YouTube as a babysitter. But YouTube should also not be actively promoting that type of content at all to anyone. It should be, yep. by all means, I, I think there should be educational content on these things and it should be there. But I think it should be in a section that you must search up. And after you search it up, then you can get suggested videos, more of them, through searching. But not, not from watching a video game, right? You know, yeah, I'm laughing to myself. You know why, Peter? A lot of these young kids are more adept at using I, uh, IA uh, than oh, their AI. parents. I, yeah. AI, I'm sorry, than their parents, and they can circumvent anything their parents might do to filter out what uh, their parents might do with, you know, what they're Ab using, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But at the same time, that's that's kids always. Forever and always, kids will find ways to be rebellious and to find ways to get what they want outside of what the parents know. That's not the problem. Uh, like, that's not the biggest problem here. The biggest problem is there is a significant amount of kids who are just being neglected and yeah. are freely using the platform and stumbling upon this content. They're not looking for it. They're stumbling upon it. And yeah. then they're consuming it on a regular basis. Yeah. I would want to treat content like that, right? The heavy content, the gun content, if it's if it's okay to be on there and it's educational or it is within the terms and policies by yeah, all know, means leave it there but treat it the same way that you treat clothing stores you can go into Jimboree 
and get all your, your children's clothes, or you can go into Aeropostale and get all your kids' clothes. But Victoria's Secret doesn't sell in those stores. You don't go into Victoria's Secret until you're older because you have no reason to be there. They still, they're sold in the same mall, but you're not going in to Victoria's Secret unless you actively go in there. But they're not advertising and selling Victoria's Secret stuff in a kid's section. You understand what I mean? So if you search up the gun stuff, the more adult content, through that video that you click, you can then get suggested adult content. But you have to yeah. actively search. Now, that doesn't stop kids from typing in gun video and watching the gun videos. But again, that's the kids who are going to actively go behind their backs and and you can't stop all of them. The ones we're trying to to the ones that I'm I'm trying to focus on are the ones that are neglectfully stumbling upon. Yeah, you know what the problem is also what you're saying is intelligent, but it doesn't cover all parts of the country because before my hand started to bother me, I used to like to go once in a while to shoot straight and do target practice. And right next to me would be a father and, an, and, a, and, a, and a young son or a daughter, and he's teaching them how to use a, right, a gun. And it depends, uh, you know, uh, the, father, the father could say to the child, well, go on YouTube, and they'll show you how to clean the gun. They'll show right. you how to take it take it apart. And you know, and uh, that's uh, that's look that's their prerogative. I, yeah, I'm not. I don't agree with it, and I don't like yeah. it. But that's that's yeah, his right. kid. That's yeah. his kid. If that's what he's going to do, that's <laughs> what he's going to do. Uh, the the ones that I'm talking about is there's a, a a demographic of people which is feels specific because I'm specifying it, but it is a larger demographic of kids who watch content, they'll watch Fortnite, they'll watch Apex yeah. Legends, Call of Duty, CSGO, all of the, all shooting games. And because yeah. it involves the words shooting and guns and violence and whatever, they get recommended gun videos. If you watch enough of them or you you stumble upon a guy that goes, we did Fortnite in real life, you know, and it's some some mm -hmm. crappy YouTuber who who's trying to, you know, make yeah. Fortnite into real life. And then he gets recommended another kid who uses crossbows and all this stuff. So you know, it's fun. It's funny how the... things it's funny how things have changed. Watching all these video games were in my day, I watched the Cowboys, Hopalong Cassidy, the Lone Ranger, uh, you know, all those shooting and and uh shooting it up and and uh you know, OK Corral and uh, uh, all that stuff, which was violent. And then I watched it and I shut the TV off and that was it. You know, uh, I didn't. Uh... Well, but that's also because that's that's content, right? You're just watching yeah. entertainment. You're watching movies yeah. and you're watching things like that. That's the you most of the time you don't see people causing mass shootings because of Fortnite or because of Apex Legends. They're yeah. doing it because they have another motive and they watched content on like how to how to file a pin down and make this rifle mm -hmm. an automatic. Yeah. yeah, that's they're using tutorials, but they're not. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions with all the all the politicians. They love to claim that video games and shooting games is what's causing the mass shootings. That's not what's causing the mass shootings. It's not even close to it. It's the tutorials. 
it's the tutorials and it's it's the real life situations not the yeah. games because we I, I don't know if it's just the older generations but the young ones the young kids not a, I don't think I've ever experienced a, a kid my brother's age or any or any age who has been unable to distinguish video game from real life even the most realistic games they like unless you're talking about a five-year-old who literally does not have self-awareness yet to even know where their ass cheeks are let alone their hands or a video game. well in the beginning there used to be a, a problems with dungeons and dragons if you're if you remember there would be incidents from the kids playing dungeons and dragons uh hurting one another and such what uh, the hell what yeah when it first came out Dungeons and Dragons were causing a problem, but I guess these kids were were borderline genius or mentally unstable, where they took the parts of the characters, you know, and uh, they wanted to go to the next level. But, Dungeons um, and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons came out in the seventies. Um, yeah, and well, you wouldn't. Well, you I wouldn't guess I can know. understand why they would like get take it too far because it's role playing. So they yeah. they are role playing and they take it too far and unless you're telling me they killed people, that's a separate issue. Those are just those are mentally ill people who had an opportunity uh, through role play. But if yeah. they were hurting each other, that could also just be the idea of not realizing that they were being too rough. Um, yeah. I don't know. I Can can't. I, I can't vouch for me, either one. Let me give you an addendum to what you just said. This past week, Ja Morant. Oh, yeah. A, the a, new basketball a, a, player. He's a popular well, he's ball a, player. He, he's a superstar for the second time, had a problem, this time caught with a gun uh, on, in a video, and he was suspended indefinitely. And um, I remember before he went to the NBA, they did documentary on him. Oh, how his father helped him get to where he was. And what a happy guy and family kid he was. And all of a sudden this happened. So very perplexing, very perplexing. And young kids look at this and it's not a good example. I mean, basketball players don't have to be uh, examples for younger children, but it's not a good example. Well, I, I think interestingly enough, they don't have to be examples, but we are in a current stage in our life where uh, more more people look up to a basketball player or a movie star or any form of an entertainer, because that's what NBA stars are as entertainers, as well as athletes yeah. um, instead of scientists and doctors and things like that, because we don't promote that. That's not the kind of content yeah. that, that sells, right? We, right. that's why John Morant's on the news and not the guy who, you know, is working with AI to cure cancer because that's not profitable for media companies because no one cares about curing cancer until they have cancer but everyone cares about a new black basketball player waving a gun around and getting suspended because he was you know the bigger they are the harder they fall good so, good quotation the bigger they are the harder they fall. i like that peter thank you it, but that's you're welcome that's the plight of our media in America. Um, and I specifically say in America because there's a reason for that. And um, you're talking about today's generation. And I'm going to be talking back in a few minutes 
about a past generation. So that's, you can compare what I'm going to talk about to what you're talking about. That's very true. Uh, that's a great segue to do it. So I'd say just go right into it. Okay. Do we have enough time or do we have to cut away? No, no, we're good. Uh, if we have to cut away, I'll, I'll pause midway through. Okay. Uh, by the way, I didn't say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, some of the information that I'm going to allude to is from a June 1954 Life magazine article uh, called The Luckiest Generation, Teenagers in the 50s, of which I was a teenager in 1957. And Ben Cosgrove wrote a synopsis on this. And I will go over some of the things he said, but and I will talk about part two um, of what I called my uh, lost generation. Uh, he calls it today in this article, the luckiest generation. Um, when I left you last time in part one, uh, I had moved from Brooklyn to Queens. I was 13 years old. And now I went to live in a left rack uh, building that was a nice size building, and there were six buildings, all named after trees, across from a beautiful, beautiful park that had uh, basketball courts and a softball court. And immediately I went into Stephen A. Halsey Junior High School, and I walked in that day. And after being at PS 167, where I told you I was afraid to go to the bathroom, this was like uh, heaven. Everybody was dressed in their finest. Uh, everybody had a smile on their face. Some, some didn't, but everybody basically did. Everybody seemed to be happy kids, a little aloof. Is that how you say it, aloof? Yeah. Uh, a little aloof. And uh, where I said I was the smartest one in the class, I was put... Let's, let's just put it this way. In the seventh grade I entered, there were 12 classes. I was put into seven, three, and that was considered a pretty bright class. And uh, there's seven, 12, which, oh my God. But they still were smarter than anybody in the other school I came from. But it was wonderful. They had elections for president of the GO general organization. Uh, they had dances. They had, they used to take us down to the uh, gym because in junior high, there was a basketball league and all the junior highs throughout Queens in the district played basketball. They had teams and us young kids in the seventh grade would watch our team play. And it was a thrill to sit on the sidelines or even be chosen to be able to watch, you know, the older boys in the ninth grade uh, play against another school. So it, it, you know, it gave us comradeship and, uh, you know, we, we get, we got to know each other, but it was a big school. And uh, during the day, um, the kids would go out and play ball 
after they had lunch in the cafeteria. I walked three and a half blocks home, four blocks home. My mother would have food on a little table. I'd watch TV for 15, 20 minutes and go back to uh, school. Even though I was a good athlete, I did not like to get sweaty and have to sit in school for the afternoon sweaty. So I'd come home. And as I said, there were five or six left rack buildings across the street from a giant park that just was built. It was a cement park, not grasses and trees. After school, everybody came out. We'd have 30, 40 boys and girls out across the street. Uh, the boys, we'd play basketball or we'd play two-hand touch football or softball. The girls would hang around and watch us. Uh, they'd play their uh, radios, and it was great. It was really, really great, and we met the girls that way. And then sometimes we'd have as much as 50 or 60 people there. And we got to know each other from five or six apartment houses. And then junior high school, Halsey, we'd go at night, as long as I did my homework, to play basketball. And I became pretty good, even though I was short. I became pretty good. And um, later on, just to show you the difference of the lost generation or the lucky generation, I was able to walk seven or eight blocks to a uh, high school, Forest Hills High School. And uh, there were three levels, 5,200 kids. And it was like a city. And I had great experiences there, but I also saw the difference in cultures. And we hung out and we socialized and played basketball. And, you know, so I was a happy kid. And at night, again, we'd walk, my friends and I would walk sometimes to the high school to play basketball. And uh, it was fun. And we had what's called little um, dances in people's basements. Uh, a lot of the girls had their own homes and we lived in the apartment houses and uh, they'd have parties in the basement. And uh, like I said, I was 13 and I was there until I was 17, 18 in high school. And that's how we met one another and socialized. In fact, that's how I met my first wife in a basement party. Uh, should not have gone to that party, but uh, that's, where I, that's where I met her. And we'd spin 45s. But let me get back to Ben Cosgrove's synopsis of the luckiest generation, where I call us the lost generation. And you could relate it to what you're talking about. First of all, uh, that there was less... In my day, in the 50s, there were less teenagers than in previous generations uh, because it followed, you know, in 1933, uh, bust of what happened where everybody lost their money and evidently the pro appropriation of children slowed down and uh, there were fewer teens ages 16 to 19. 
uh, he focused on this article and whatever he said, it's a shame the article does not include people of color. It's basically middle white people. Uh, when I said before that we were the lost generation, now I'm looking at the article, I guess I was always happy. And he says, we were the luckiest generation. We had more money because we were able to go work. There were more jobs for teenagers to make money. A lot of teenagers were able to keep their money and spend it on what they wanted to do. Uh, things were cheaper. Uh, kids would sit. Kids were able to save and buy their own cars. I was fortunate when I was uh, just turned 18, my dad bought me a car. But a lot of kids in Forest Hills High School who were very, very wealthy were driving uh, to school with very expensive cars. Some were given to them by their parents. Some they bought themselves. Uh, middle class in the 50s were exceptionally lucky. Um, again, they, they were the beneficiary of what was called ben being depression babies. And they, they grew up to become materially, at least America's lux, luckiest generation. Uh, they were a smaller part of the population then than our teenagers are today. Uh, and they worked and they were secure. Teenagers in those days, they looked confident and they were independent. I was independent. I was secure. I was confident. I learned day by day, as the article said, and it's true, what it means to make one, one's way in the world. I was given a lot of freedom. Like I, I told you, I went at night to play basketball. I went to dances. I went to uh, parties. I went all over. Uh, when I was 15, 16 years of age. And in the sense that may mean that I was the luckiest generation. And to top it off, I had parents who cared about me. They, just, they didn't just send me out and say, go play ball and I'll see you uh, when I see you. I had restrictions and I honored them. There were people, kids my age that didn't. Uh, again, when the term luckiest generation is used, it, that did not include people of color. Because uh, I remember getting into my 18 and 19 years of age, going, getting ready to go to college. I was going on down south with people of color. And, uh, you know, people were still being hung high. But my generation going from Brooklyn to Queens was one that was very lucky. The schools were beautiful. Unfortunately, they were 
too segregated. In, in those days, the parents were glad, to be honest with you, that they were segregated. Uh, in Forest Hills High School, we had a, a home for children that didn't have parents, and it was predominantly uh, uh, co a colorful home. And some of the kids were tough, and some of the kids didn't fit in because of the way they dressed and such and the way they acted. But all in all, it was paradise. And what I've always said to you is, when you're used to paradise, it's difficult to leave paradise and being an adult on your own. So I'm not going to have a part three. I'm just going to say growing up in part one in Brooklyn was quiet and nice. Growing up in part two in Forest Hills, Queens was wonderful. I made a, I made a lifelong friend there. And unfortunately, a few other friends I had passed away. But being able to socialize, being able to not be under pressure, uh, other than the normal pressure a kid is under, was a wonderful thing. Now, compare that to what you're talking about. My parents did not have to worry about me going on the internet uh, because there wasn't any internet. I remember I was telling my dad when I was 19 that I was writing a book. And uh, he bought me a word processor, word processor. And that was like, oh, my God, I got a word processor. Okay. Unfortunately, I never finished the book. Uh, but life was good through the 50s. We watched Dick Clark and the American Bandstand. Um, we learned how, a lot of us learned how to dance by watching the kids on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, and in those days, when we did have uh, dances, they called it sock hops. And the reason why they called it sock hops was the girls wore these flare dresses with crinolines underneath. I think that's what you call it. They made the dresses flare out and they had socks that were high. And today you don't have it. Uh, today, everybody is involved in uh, IA and uh, AI, AI, um, AI, and doing a lot of other things other than mingling, like I have, I have described. So what's your comment on this, Peter? My comments are very sort of, I think most of the comments are going to be the the sort of low-hanging fruit ones of like, yeah, of, you know, being white at the time and and uh, having all the benefits. Of course, yeah, it was must have been a really great time. Um, additionally, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still white, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as opposed to the other ones who who aren't anymore got it <laughs> um but i i think one of the the big things is the idea of 
the the demonization of media is the part that I think I disagree with because I think social media and digital media as a whole is actually been a really beneficial thing. And I think uh, I think there hasn't been a lot that has actively changed in the sense of basement parties have become late night video game sessions. Instead of learning dances on your cable television that's producing it off of radio waves that have to be live, uh, like Hairspray, you're learning them on TikTok. And you're still yeah. learning and engaging with friends. I think the... the Peter, I, I, I think the... Can, what? Go ahead. I agree because we've talked about this before. But there's nothing like being in those days in the basement, dancing with a girl, holding her by the waist. Yeah, for you. That, but that's what I'm saying. For you, for a very specific demographic of people, I think that's great. For extroverts, for people who like to go and party, I think that's great. At that time, they're, just like now, there's introverts. And there's people who are in between, the omniverts. People oh. who... Omniverts. It's people who are extroverted but don't have, shall we say, the full social battery to do what full extroverts do. Because there's people who love to be out and about, love to party, love to talk to 50 people and spend all night hanging out. There's people who love to not talk to a soul for weeks at a time. And then there's people mm -hmm. in the middle. The middle people are what you call omniverts. They're people who like to go out but have a limit and have a cap and they, you know, they may enjoy going out to dinner with a group of friends, but wouldn't want to go out to drinks afterwards because they'd want to go home and, and do their own thing. Or they may want to go to a party, but only for two hours, not for seven, you know, or for five or whatever it is. Um, but you see the difference between the supervision in my day? That was good supervision and what you were talking about. I well, but again, the I, I think there's a complete different differentiation with that because, for example, the basement parties, that was the only way to socialize, whether you were an introvert or an extrovert. And if you fucked up, that was it. You were ruined. Your reputation, people, you go back to school, you look like garbage. Oh my God, awful. Because everyone spoke about it. If something happened. People now don't have to deal with that. They can develop relationships in ways that are healthier for them and they can avoid mass embarrassment because they didn't want to be there in the first place. So I think the idea of the demonization of technology has valid points to it in that mental health is has been lower since social media and a variety of other things that involve media. But I would argue... The media itself is not the problem. All, as a whole, the media itself, right? YouTube is a phenomenal digital library for people to archive things. That's what we're doing right now. This podcast yeah. is going to be archived on YouTube and I will be able to show the next set of generations this content. And they will be able to see us talking and me being this young, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when I'm older, I'm going to be able to look back at videos of this and go, look at this. This is what I looked like. That's a, a, a digital library. Okay. That mm -hmm. is an amazing, amazing thing. It is. 
And to be able to participate and see an audience, right? Commenting, you will go on famous YouTubers accounts, all of people's opinions. That is an amazing thing. What isn't amazing is the money behind it and the the aspect behind it that if you want if you're trying to get a ton of views and you're trying to make a living off of it you have to adhere to certain things and and the politics behind it that that's the problem same thing with tiktok same thing with instagram the algorithm the reason we have an algorithm is because people make money off of it and because people are trying to have a business off of it or make a job out of it that is the problem with Instagram, because if there was no algorithm or truly was just discovering random things and not trying to push content that will get you to stay on the app longer and genuinely had your interest at heart, people wouldn't feel as bad. There wouldn't be as a, as a reason to feel bad or we wouldn't have an issue with, you know, oh, you've only got this many likes, you've got that many likes. The reason people care about that is because they think that they're going to someday become a famous influencer. So mm -hmm. the politics and the capitalism behind the companies, capitalism, I, I, it's more the economics of it. Uh, that's, that's more of the issue with a lot of media than the media itself. So I, but again, I would argue... How I would you... argue most of this media allows for creative expression and communication and connectivity. I wouldn't be able to see my my cousins and uncles who live in Pennsylvania, and I wouldn't be able to keep up with the fact that his uh, book, his, um, what is it? His, he's got a book company where he signs middle schoolers to book to he, he gets their books produced they write books and he gets them produced it's a great business i wouldn't be able to keep up with that and i wouldn't even i wouldn't be able to to express my participation i would have to go all the way over there and keep up with him and have a dinner and and see him once in a while and hopefully he didn't move or or whatever right like assuming we don't do mail anymore but it, it's it allows me to stay connected to someone that I otherwise wouldn't be able to go see at this current time. And you can make the argument of, oh, well, but if there wasn't any technology, you would physically meet them and connect with them. And you would connect, you'd make the the trek to that net, that other state more often. And it's like, well, that's not, I may, I may work to see them, let's say once a year rather than once every couple of years. But I, I would argue it doesn't necessarily hinder it. Um, well, what about it, teenagers in, in your generation? You're not a teenager anymore. But what about teenagers in your generation uh, meeting at a pizza place and having pizza every day? Like I came home from Forest Hills High School and I knew I'm not supposed to eat uh, pizza if I'm coming home at five o'clock because my mother's making dinner. But we stop by. I, I think it depends you know, on where you live. You know, and hang I, out. I think I think people do that in New York. I think people do that in more suburban neighborhoods where they have a local town to hang out with. Where I live, yeah. no, because there's people not not in my neighborhood, but I mm -hmm. think in a in a town like um, Glenrock, Ridgewood, or uh, Marstown, or. Um, 
somewhere else in New Jersey, right? Like other places um, or um, Bridgewater or uh, wh whatever, like uh, uh, Clinton, right? Different towns where there's actual reasons to be there and things to do and people and activity. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a very viable thing that people still do. Um, Would I you have liked to have a... I think it's happening less nowadays because no one can afford a damn thing. <laughs> would you have liked would you have liked to have had a big park where come Saturday and Sunday you got up at eight o'clock in the morning and there'd be 20, 30 boys there and you had an automatic uh basketball game or softball game? I mean, oh, absolutely. you think you missed that? Did you think absolutely. you missed out on that? Absolutely. I, I think that would have been a lot of fun to have. But I think that also is, again, dependent upon how I was raised. I was raised in a very rural neighborhood before we moved here. And so the closest neighbor was 15 minutes driving distance from me. So like I, that was not even a thing. If I had lived in a, in a more suburban neighborhood, I may respond differently because I would have had friends to go see and hang out with. And I may not have needed that as much because I would have had access to friends. Um, even if I didn't see them every weekend like that, I would have had access to friends in a more reasonable manner. Where I lived and grew up, I was forced to be isolated and couldn't grow with friends because I had to rely on being driven and I couldn't walk anywhere because I had to be yeah. worried that I was going to get eaten by a bear. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, here's another another thing which I didn't include. When I turned 18 and I lived in Queens, I was going to Long Island University, which was in Brooklyn, and I had my own car. And I drove I drove to school. Yeah, I know. That's I, that's a whole separate like thing is yeah. the buying power. We've gone into that before. Yeah. The buying power and the money that you all had, specifically white people, we get that, but like the, the money and power that that was involved with your generation that's a that's an entirely separate thing that does affect this entire conversation because if no one has money no one's going out no one's putting money into bowling alleys or pizza places or or arcades or dances because they don't have the money so kids from so it makes total sense why we all go to social media from 14, yeah. 13, 14, all the way up to our 20s, because yeah. it's so much easier to throw on Discord, which is a, a social uh, communication software, for those who don't know, and play video games, throw on mm -hmm. Fortnite, throw on Apex Legends, and crank crank a bunch of games out with your buddies for two, three hours. That's so much cheaper because it's all free. When you're 16 and you're not paying for living in your house, you Apex Legends is free. You got your PlayStation or your Xbox or your laptop for Christmas because you asked your parents for it, right? Or you saved some money through birthdays and holidays or work wow. and you bought a console. One time buy. The internet, you don't pay for the internet. That's your family pays for that because that's everyone in the house who uses the internet. Right. Discord is free. So great. Connect to the internet, throw on Apex, throw on Discord, and you're chatting with your friends and it's all for free or a one-time payment what mm -hmm. that's so much better for a kid who doesn't have a lot of money or has no money 
to spend his time and still develop friendships and relationships than spending 50 to 100 bucks to go out for three hours in hopes that he gets enough hair on his balls to go say hi to a girl and then go home and do nothing about it you know or a guy or a guy Uh, doesn't matter but either way you know what i mean yeah, well, again, there's nothing like social interaction. Uh, but again, Out, outside defining, of the game, yes. That's what yes. I was saying. Defining yes. social interaction is important. Yes, I yes. think physical social interaction is of benefit. And I think yeah. it's the same idea as like, you know, just 10 minutes of sun a day can really uh, change your mood. Um, just going outside and just breathing and appreciating the sun for 10 minutes can literally shift your entire day. I'm a firm believer in that. And I'm also a firm believer that physical human contact does affect your day positively or negatively, depending on who you talk to. But I think it's, I think it's a necessary thing. We are social animals. Simultaneously, simultaneously, I don't see video games and discord as a bad thing in moderation. You know, it's funny, Peter, What? because of where you lived, basically being on a farm, uh, if it snowed, you had to get the shovel and clean the snow away from the immediate don't, proximity, don't remind me. I don't need to proximity of, of your house, okay, because not everybody uh, was athletic enough or had the mindset to do it when it snowed, when it snowed. It wasn't athleticism. It was out of necessity because we would get four to six feet of snow. Something not six feet. We would get like two to four feet of snow. I have pictures of the snow up to my lower chest. Mm -hmm. And I had to shovel four doors all the way to the cars. And because our Mm -hmm. house was longer and not taller, I'm shoveling tons of snow Tons and tons. I shoveled the weight of five cars worth of snow because it's two to three feet of snow. And I had to do Mm -hmm. two back doors all the way to the car. And then Mm -hmm. I had to do the front door all the way around the house to the car. That wasn't out of athleticism. That was out of necessity because if a tree fell down, we had to get the hell out of there. Yeah, well, I brought that up for a reason because... I, I can't forget looking out on a Saturday when it rained. That was one thing. But uh, on a Saturday or Sunday during the winter, if it snowed and we had like two inches, three inches, uh, right away, the guys would be outside. We'd get shovels. We'd clear, clear off the half-court basketball court. It still would be wet. We'd get some towels. We'd play. Then we'd get tired of just playing because it still would be wet, the court. We'd get tired. We'd say, oh, but this is bullshit. Let's go to Mario's Pizzeria. Let's go have some lunch and let's go play poker. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was y'all had, that's because y'all had money and time, yeah. which n- no one, no one, not a single fucking person in 2023 in America, specifically in America, has no one. The only people who have both money and time are the upper, 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 upper one percenters and like 0.1 percenters. Those are the people who have money and time. Everyone else, everyone else doesn't have both. If they have time, they don't have money. If they have money, they don't have time, but they don't have both. 
And if they have both, if by some off chance that they do have both and they're not at the upper, upper 1%, then they don't have good mental health. (laughs) Because the time is spent socializing and networking and doing the things that they're supposed to do and checking the boxes. And then the other time and going to the gym, right? Because it's quote unquote good for your mental health. When in reality, what they need is a therapist or they need to like, just have yeah, a but good still, in, in your in your day, uh, you're in you're in high school, uh, and you go with your friends to the mall in groups. We didn't do that. Uh, you didn't and, have but, to. But necessarily... again, but again, like, there's a huge difference, right? You'd play basketball and then go to a pizzeria. We get driven by our parents to a mall and walk around. Bored is bored is crap. Cause there's nothing else to do. There's no parks. Mm-hmm. There's no basketball courts. There's no outdoor places to do anything. There's no third spaces. Third spaces are by definition, places like yeah. a mall or a basketball court or places that are not home and not like job education places. Third spaces are places where you congregate and meet people. The mall was the only place that was a third space. There was nothing else that was free. Right, you could freely walk into the mall. You don't have to spend a dime. Obviously, you need food, you spent money, but like, same thing with the basketball court. You have a basketball, or you show up with no basketball, and it's free. You walk over there and you stay as long as you want. And if you got in a game, great. If you didn't, you hung out with the boys that were there and you developed friendships. You didn't do that at the mall. You if you you had to call somebody's up. And say, let's go to the mall. If you didn't have mm-hmm. buddies, you went to the mall by yourself. You There was no developing buddies and friendships at the mall. Because you're not at the mall to hang out with friends. You're there to eat, wait for basketball practice to go back to high school across the bridge. Or you're there to buy something. But you, like, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do. So it's like there was just nothing ever to do where I live. Uh, unless okay. you had the money. Okay. Unless you had well, the money, there was no. I would have loved to have had a basketball court. Well, or, you, you actually, you actually had the money. It just wasn't filtered down to you. Well, that's a separate thing. Yeah, obviously there was money in the family. I'm not saying we were poor. I'm saying I, me, me didn't. No, have you, money. you, you were, you were wealthy. Not wealthy, no, no, wealthy, but, but no, you no, were... me, 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 me. Like not. Yeah, well, I, hey, my... didn't you get five dollars a week allowance? <laughs> Yeah, if he remembered. Oh my God, $5 a week. What the hell? $5 yeah. a week allowance for doing something that he that you would pay uh, service people hundreds a week to do. Yeah. Oh, te- yeah. shoveling the snow, I, I used to taking, care of, taking care of two horses that we never asked for, moving the things, taking the trash, cleaning parts of the house. And oh my God. And right, yeah. you can make the argument of like, oh, some of the household stuff, that's because you live there. No, all the shit I was cleaning, I never touched. It was stuff that I never bothered with, but I had to clean it because I was designated to. So, question. I said I was the lost generation, and basically the Life magazine article said I was the luckiest generation. Yes. I would now tend to say I was the lucky generation. Agreed. And... What would you call your generation? The abused generation. (laughs) 
seriously easily easily we're because we're getting it from every angle i'm i'm getting screwed from every hole absolutely the job market is absolute garbage climate absolute no, garbage. no 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 we're talking about the teenage years Okay. In general, in I'm talking about from 16 to now. No, we're talking about 13. You're comparing your 13 to 19. Okay, 13 to 19. My because mental comparing, health. We're comparing. My mental health was plummeting by the year. Absolute awful. I had no third spaces, no way to develop friendships because I lived in a literal farm in the depths of the fucking forests. Um, though my family had some type of money, I don't know, like we had the money, but we were also in significant debt. So like, I don't know how much money we actually had. Uh, but didn't really like we went to places but also couldn't go to places i wanted it had to be places they wanted um couldn't develop any friendships because everyone was either 45 minutes away to an hour away from me or didn't like me um no no local pizza shops to hang out at um how could nobody like that like you what I don't. I can never see how anybody could not like my grandson. Oh Peter. please! Oh please! I was a very awkward child from middle school to to early high school, and I was heavily bullied. Um, but nonetheless, just the whole scope of it, everything. And mind you, we're comparing apples to oranges here because you lived in a city, a literal like New York City. I'm lived on a farm i lived on mm -hmm. literally the exact opposite the exact opposite mm -hmm. <laughs> if i wanted to walk to my local grocery store it would take me an hour minimum there eh, probably not an hour probably 45 nah maybe an hour 45 minutes i'd say at best unless i'm like hot footing it but we're that's just to my local food place it took me 15 20 minutes to drive there mm. so yeah you know, I, I, we, I mean, and granted, I have I had friends who lived in other areas, right, that were more suburban. They didn't have that good of a time either. It sucked. Again, no no basketball courts. The basketball courts that we did have were there for 20 years and they're fucking broken and barely usable. And they're only working because one poor sap, uh, his father said, oh, I'll fix up for you. And hey, gave I bought you a basketball court. No, I'm talking about public spaces. Oh, okay. I'm talking about basketball public spaces, like people who lived in suburban neighborhoods that I knew. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, the, yeah. the basketball courts what? were there for 20 years. They weren't touched. They were hot trash. There was no nets and the rims were broken. Now, absolutely mm -hmm. not. None of it, none of it was was good. And all of us were told, go to college and do all these, you know, go to college and, and work hard and doesn't matter. Just try and get something. It doesn't have to be business or science where it's a guaranteed job just go to college do something relatively in the scope of what you want and then work towards what you want and you'll get a job yeah eight nine hundred jobs later and i'm still out of a fucking job nice You'll, you, but you will find one so find no one. i'm just i i'm just i i don't i'll whatever like i'll find something i'm not worried about that it's 
the fact that that's that was my middle to high school. That was what I went through. And okay, so, I, I yeah, did absolutely work. I did. I did work at you know when I was a teenager I did work but then again I, I was able to I was able to keep my allowance and the money I made at the job. I know I, I if I wanted to work I would have had to have asked a parent to drive me because I it couldn't yeah. go anywhere. The closest place to work would have been forty five minutes. I couldn't mm -hmm. even work at my lo local grocery shop, so mm -hmm. I I had no option uh, but to take my five bucks a week. Um. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you guys had so much more. And again, also the abused generation being told uh, we're lazy and playing video games is unhealthy. It's going to cause us to be mass shooters and, and everything we do is wrong because your generation and, and my parents' generations were worried because we're not socializing as much. Uh, and now we're at this point where post COVID no one socializes uh, unless it's online. So, at, yeah. Well, well, you could, but you you'll, you don't go to bars and hang out at bars and drink and all that, which is a good thing. Yeah, because like, but, and that's, a again, that's its own problem. Why is that the the standard for socialization? Why is destroying well, go to a church, my... To the, to, to the church and go to a church dance. Oh, God. Yeah, that's the last thing I want to do. You know, but you have a girlfriend, why, why so is... you're lucky. Why is institutionalized, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, institute, mm, I'll just say religion. Why is religion and killing my brain cells and liver over alcohol the places that I need to go to socialize? Those are two demographics of people that I want to not be with. I agree. <laughs> so I agree, but I did that. Like, I did that too, you know. I, I, and I, and uh, you paid a price for it, like you say, you know. But you're fortunate too. You have a a girlfriend, and hopefully things work out for you. And uh, that's a good part of your life. So give me—I don't like to label things. Give me again the title of of your generation, thirteen to nineteen. The abused. The abused. I'm the luckiest generation. I went from lost uh, to luckiest, and you're the abused. Okay? Or we can call it the deceived. The deceived. Okay. Called the, the deceived because we all, my my generation, my I'm the very 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 beginning of Gen Z, technically. Oh, I hate these terms. I'm I'm the very beginning of Gen Z, and I would say we would be considered the deceived, which is why so much of us are just fed up with all the older people because we just. We were told and we tried to be guided and listened. And then all of it turned out to be lies or crap or, you know, yeah, trust this company. And then the company comes out and says, nope, don't trust us. So tons. Okay. Tons that's tons that's of, another conversation. That's another conversation again, but. Tons and tons uh, of politics and, yeah. and the future of our existence at the hands of people who don't even know what Wi-Fi is. Does Wi-Fi, yeah. does TikTok connect to the house? Yeah, well, I just want you to know something. We're going to have to end this because it's getting long, right? It is. And the two squirrels that I broke up their fight earlier today are at it again. Oh, so, good. <laughs> so I, I think I'm, I may have to get out there shortly. Because I don't want to have a bunch of when they fight, it means 
one of the squirrels wants to have sex and the other doesn't. And I got to break them up because I don't want to have a dozen baby squirrels in my backyard. Wonderful. All right. That's a wonderful way to end it. So, <laughs> God, um, I hope everyone has a wonderful day, evening, night, whenever you are watching this, if you watch it. Uh, by all means, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, comment things that you want us to talk about. If you're not, um, contact you have us. A birthday, us you have a birthday coming up. You have a birthday what? coming up. I when do have birthday? a birthday coming up. Yes, I do have that? a birthday. And when is that? That is May 28th. I will be uh, entering my quarter life crisis. It'll okay, be I'll be 25. Okay, but. Again, you didn't give you a report. Your skin looks wonderful. You're oh, yeah. My, my skin is doing really, really well. Um, it's almost entirely invisible uh, outside of a couple of small spots. Yeah, uh, but it's doing really, 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 really well. And I'm really happy. And wait, till you, wait till you come down to Florida and you get a tan. Oh, I got to be careful. It makes my skin more susceptible to burns. Oh, like me. Okay. So everybody, uh, I hope that you have the rest of the week that's wonderful. I hope we were a little bit informative as to our life structure. And uh, Peter has a long life ahead of him. And Gimpa's holding on. <laughs> you got plenty of life left. Don't, don't sell yourself short. Okay. Love you guys. Love you guys. See you the next one. Peace, Peace out. out.